Hello, hello, and welcome to Sisterhood. I am so honored and pleased to share with you the final lesson of this semester, My Determined Purpose. This lesson is the 11th one, and it's called He is Life. So we'll just get started right away. You've probably heard and even used the expression, you get what you pay for, yes? Have you ever been swayed to buy an inexpensive piece of furniture only to find out that it was poorly crafted and falls apart quickly? <laughs> Same. And so, unfortunately, what started off saving you money actually became more expensive because you had to purchase a better quality item in the long run, right? And you'd probably agree then that paying a higher price up front really can benefit you in the long run. Still, as believers, we know it's important to be careful spenders, prayerful spenders, good stewards of the finances that the Lord blesses us with. We do our best to spend wisely and maybe we could say get our, uh, the best bang for the buck, if you will. Sometimes that does mean paying the highest price, but not always. Often, if you're like me, you have found yourself determining in your mind a certain value for something. And if the price tag is too high, you'll walk away saying, no, 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 I'll wait till it goes on sale. Well, I want to I tell you something. I want to tell you that in terms of God's spiritual economy and where you are concerned, the Lord is not bargain-minded at all. Not at all. In fact, he has paid the very highest price in order for you to have life in Christ Jesus. Again, this lesson is entitled, He is Life. In Acts chapter 20 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we learn that believers have been purchased, say purchased, with his very own precious, perfect, priceless blood. There is truly nothing that rivals or is more valuable than the perfect blood of Jesus Christ. And that is what you and I are worth in God's economy. Just before he breathed his last breath, Jesus uttered, it is finished. Now that Greek word is tetelestai, and its literal translation is paid in full. So really, as Jesus finished his work, he accomplished what God put him on the planet to do. Hanging on a cross, dying a bloody death, his final words spoken declared that full payment had been made so that all people everywhere could have his life. He spent literally all that was possible in order for us to know that life is found only in him. The fact that this life in Christ is worth the very highest price. Again, his precious, perfect blood. This ought to stir us up some. This ought to excite us. This ought to pique our interest, fire us up, really, stir us to want to lay hold of everything that he purchased, the fullness of life. I mean, I want to live my life in such a way to not make Jesus sorry for his investment. Hmm. If I spend $100 on a membership of some sort, and it's an annual membership, but I really only use up, if you will, $40 worth. There's $60 wasted. I don't want to look at Jesus and say, I know that you afforded me all of this, but I only 
I only laid hold of a smidgen. Hmm. I believe this is what God has intended all along for his children, that's you and me, to enjoy the life that is found in his son and then express and share the riches of this divine life with others. Life is found in him. John 1.4. In him was life and the life was the light of man. Now in English, we have one word for life. It is life. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in Greek, there are three different words with three different meanings. Let's begin this lesson by studying the word life as it appears in John 1.4. In him was life. This word life is zoe. You want to say it? Zoe. And zoe refers to the principle of life in spirit and soul. Zoe denotes not only physical life, but a heavenly life, a spiritual life possessed only through faith in Jesus Christ. Zoe life speaks not only to duration, but also to quality of life, which is perfect. Zoe quality of life is complete. There's no defect or shortage in Zoe life. Zoe describes the state of one who is possessed of vitality, the absolute fullness of life, real, genuine, active, vigorous, devoted to God, blessed right now and even for forever and ever and ever. Excuse me. Zoe is finally the divine person of Christ. So let's amplify that verse, John 1, 4, by including a few of these phrases in the definition. In Jesus was Zoe, perfect and complete life, without defect or shortage. The very fullness of life, genuine, vigorous, devoted to God, blessed forever, and that Zoe was the light of men. Now Jesus taught on many occasions about this Zoe life that he carried. To the Jewish religious leaders who only saw Jesus as the one who broke their laws, actually they really needed to know this new way of living and this Zoe life, Jesus said this in John 5, 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life, Zoe, in himself. And to Martha, who wasn't quite sure that Lazarus would rise again like Jesus had told her, he said this in John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the Zoe. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. So Jesus has Zoe life. Jesus is Zoe life. And most amazing of all, he came to give us Zoe life. It was his very purpose. It was his mission. Now lest we brush past this too quickly. I realize that for some of you, you've not heard the word zoe. You've never unpacked its definition. I don't want to brush past this. But rather, I want to pause and review the definition again. And I'm praying that you are going to let this soak in. Holy Spirit's going to minister the reality, the truth of this zoe life to all of us. Life, in the Greek, zoe, refers to the principle of life in spirit and soul. It denotes not only physical life, but heavenly life, spiritual life, possessed now only through faith in Jesus Christ. Zoe speaks not only to duration, but also to quality of life, which is perfect and complete 
Zoe is without defect or shortage. Zoe describes the state of one who is possessed of vitality, the absolute fullness of life, real, genuine, active, vigorous, devoted to God, blessed now, and even more, for forever and ever, Zoe is the divine person of Christ. And Jesus came to give us Zoe. Now perhaps you don't know this, but when you said yes to Jesus, at that moment of your salvation, you received Christ into you and you were born again into this divine Zoe life. Fullness, vitality, perfect and complete in quality, now and forever. I think that I'd see some more smiles on faces as I'm looking at you beautiful women. This is good news. This is truth. Come on, this is truth. Yes, when you received Jesus, you received this life. Do you consider it? Do you realize it? You have this. This is a gift. And I might add that if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have not asked him to be your personal Lord and Savior, to be born again, please, please don't leave here tonight without sharing that at your table because the women at your table want you to be a recipient of Zoe life. Now John 3.16 can be thought of as a foundational kind of introductory verse, if you will, where Zoe life is concerned. We're familiar with this passage, but perhaps tonight it will take on a slightly different meaning. Look, for God, oh sorry, this one isn't on uh, behind me, I don't think. So, listen. <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting zoe. Fullness, vitality, complete life. And it's not just in heaven. Yes, it's accomplished fully in heaven, but it starts at the moment of salvation. This is what he came to give us. And what is more, you know what? He did not give us a dribble of zoe. He didn't provide us with a scanty portion. On the contrary, look what he said himself about his mission to provide us with Zoe life in John 10.10. 10. Jesus says, I have come that they, say that's me. Say that's me. I have come that they may have Zoe life and that they may have it more abundantly. Not only is it the will of the Lord for us to have this Zoe life, but to have it more abundantly. What does this mean? Abundantly can be defined as superabundance, excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. The Amplified Bible reads, I came that they may have and enjoy life, Zoe, and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Hallelujah. If we can't get happy about that, something's wrong. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So here you see my visual, or perhaps you haven't noticed, but I'm guessing you have. So this cup represents you. You and you and you and you and you, every single one. And in this picture, I have what is representative of Zoe, life. Now, of course, my metaphor is stopping short because Zoe life is immeasurable. And I have only a certain quantity in my, in my picture, but bear with me, yes? So... This is what Jesus meant when he said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Perhaps, you know what? I'm going to turn this so that you can see. You know the cup is you. 
All right, let's do this. Okay, let's just take this off. Or at least hold my hand differently. Okay. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Zoe, life, vitality, overflowing, abundance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is God's will for his children, for you, faith. Amen. Every single one. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that David must have known something about this abundant life when he wrote that even in the company of his enemies, the Lord anointed his head with oil and made his cup to run over. That's Psalm 23.5. Paul describes the Lord as being the one who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, over and above all that we ask or think. That's Ephesians 3.20. My question is, how about you? How about you? What is your perception of the Father? How big have you allowed him to be? Do you think of his pitcher full of Zoe life? ready to pour it out upon you until it overflows. Can you imagine just for a moment, and if it helps you to close your eyes, do so. He really does intend for you to receive an overflowing abundance of his Zoe life. If you are uncertain, or if the answer that comes to you is, no, I don't think so, I want to caution you and encourage you to not base your response upon what natural circumstances you face. I want to encourage you not to base your response upon whatever emotions that might be difficult that you're navigating in this moment or season. And certainly, do not allow your response to, bear, to be um, governed by someone else's life experience. Because the Lord is who he is, and he has what he has, and he gives what he gives based upon what his word says, period. Open your heart to receive his truth. The bonds of despair and hopelessness and frustration are cut when truth is embraced. It's freedom. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Look how Jesus, or listen to how Jesus describes the power in his words of truth. John 6, 63, he says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words, this is Jesus, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are zoe. The words that I speak to you are zoe. It's the spirit who gives life. That word gives life is sometimes translated quickeneth. It means to make that which was dead come alive. Jesus' words make that which was dead to come alive, to arouse and invigorate by spiritual power, to give increase of life. Of course, the words that the Lord speaks are Zoe life. He is Zoe life. So of course what he says is Zoe life. He's the word. The word is Jesus. His words are life. They profit us. They benefit us. God's words bring us Zoe life. 
And we experience more and more of his Zoe life when we cultivate the soil of our hearts and plant the seed of his word deep inside. Amen? It is so, so good and so, so important for God's children to read the word of God, to meditate upon it, to discuss it, to repeat it, to rehearse it. His words stir within us Zoe life because they are Zoe life. And I would ask then, knowing this is true, why in the world would we not read our Bibles more often? How, how is it that we, we would choose to spend time scrolling on a phone? There's no Zoe life. Or I'll just say very little Zoe life. If somebody's quoting a verse or what have you, I know that's an argument. But you understand what I'm saying. To binge on that one really good TV show again and again and again when in fact we could be stirring Zoe life on the inside by reading his word that's fresh and vital and alive and full. In one way or another, we're all looking for a higher quality life and Jesus is that life and he makes it available to us. He purchased Zoe life for each one of us. Hallelujah. In John 14, Jesus explains to his disciples that he's soon going to go away and prepare a place for them in heaven. And he tells them, you know the way there. Well, Thomas isn't so sure. John, <clears throat> excuse me, John 14, 5 and 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and I am the truth and the Zoe life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So how is this Zoe life accessed? We lay hold of it again through faith in Jesus, through prioritizing him and his word, by believing him and his word, by devoting ourselves to him and his word more than anything or anyone else. Here's the thing. The more deeply we come to know Jesus, the more deeply we come to cultivate and experience this Zoe life, the more deeply we come to appreciate this amazing gift that he has made available. Now remember, Jesus paid what? The highest price so that we could be availed this life. He laid down his life to make this accessible. And this is where it's interesting to consider another of the Greek words for life. The word is shuka. It's spelled P-S-U-C-H-E, for those that are interested. It's where we get our word psyche or psychology. Jesus came to give his shuka life. Now, when someone says Jesus gave his life, if you're like me, the first thought I have is of him hanging on a cross. Of course, we know that he did give his flesh and blood for us, and we are so grateful. This physical life that Jesus gave is the Greek word bios. It's spelled B-I-O-S, and that's where we get the word biology. Hmm. But it isn't the one, that's not the word we're going to emphasize right now. Hang with me. Instead, we're going to look at the Greek word shuka as it's written in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said in Matthew 20, 28, Just as the Son of Man, now remember, he's talking about himself. Jesus is saying this about himself. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, 
and to give his life, his shuka, a ransom for many. If I put it in, take out the son of man, just as I did not come to be served, Jesus is saying, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And I came to give my shuka, a ransom for many. This word life, shuka, is not zoe. Jesus came to give his shuka. Let's just say it, shuka. This pertains to the mind, will, and emotions. It's his soul life. It's the lower form of life that comes from the flesh. It's the seed of affections. It's Jesus' will, his desire, mind, his reasoning, his understanding. So Jesus is saying here that he came to earth and he submitted all of his reasoning and all of his feelings and his understanding. He submitted his very will to the Father. We could say that Jesus put his inner self or his soul life to death. He fully surrendered it to God. Follow me. This shuka life is what he laid down first. He had to lay down his will before he could lay down his bios, his body, hang on a cross. And he did that to grant us zoe life. John 10, 15. Jesus says, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. See, Jesus knows the Father's love. He knows it, <laughs> he knows it to such degree that he's willing to lay down, he says, I lay down my shuka for the sheep. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life, my shuka, my will, my reasoning, my understanding, my want to. I lay it down for the sheep. That's us. Everything Jesus did was selfless. He made the choice to step over how he felt when... And, and, and what made sense intellectually. Did it make sense for him to go through Samaria and talk to the woman at the well? I, I don't know. Did he have it in his daytimer to in, invite himself to Zacchaeus' house for dinner? I don't think so. But he, he opted to spend the time that he had on this planet not doing what he wanted, but doing the will of the Father. You see, he submitted his will to that of God. The words that Jesus spoke weren't spoken for himself. They were to benefit those listening. He didn't need healing, but yet he healed all who came to him. He didn't need forgiveness, but he forgave the sins of even the most vile sinner. He went into undesirable places, not because he wanted to, but because the Father told him to do so. He endured persecutions, name-calling. They spat on him. They ridiculed him. They hurled insults at him. He was falsely accused, and yet he didn't waste his breath defending himself. He taught, and he preached, and he delivered all who drew near and needed deliverance. Jesus poured out his life, his shuka, for the sake of others. But just prior to his crucifixion, I know you've heard of this on other occasions this semester, Jesus prays to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane under tremendous pressure while contemplating what it was going to be like to be nailed to the cross with literally the weight of every sin ever committed 
upon him. The Bible tells us in Luke 22:44 that he was in such agony that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He didn't perspire water, sweat. There was blood coming out of his pores. Have you ever heard of such a tremendous thing? Hematidrosis is this very rare medical condition that causes a person to ooze or sweat blood from his skin. And WebMD says that it's thought to be related to the body's fight or flight response. This is caused by extreme distress, extreme fear, such as facing death, torture, or severe ongoing abuse. To think that our Jesus endured such a thing for us. Luke 22, 41 through 42. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Today we would say, Father, if it's possible, could you please make a change of plan? I, I really don't want to do this. Take this cup away. Let it pass. Please. And yet then he goes on to say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He could have run. He could have fled, but Jesus submitted his will, his shuka life, to honor the Father's plan for all of humanity. He was committed to this mission, the purpose for which he came, that we said earlier in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life, zoe, and that they may have it more abundantly. He came so that you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, could have life, Zoe life, and have it more abundantly. Now, laying hold of it may cost you some things. Putting the Lord above all else may require releasing some status or reputation with the world. Appropriating the fullness of what Jesus has made available may cause certain people in your life to wonder about you. Spending more time with Jesus and less time doing what you used to do may not make sense to them at first. And perhaps you will teeter between remaining in life as you've known it and jumping full on into Zoe life Jesus died to give you. And should you find yourself skeptical or feeling like it's too late for me to really lay hold of this or thinking that to embrace this new way of life, this Zoe life, the fullness of life that you're going to have to give up what you've always known, I just urge you to take heart. You're not alone. You see, the Apostle Paul has gone before us. In deciding to pursue Christ, Paul had much to lose in the world's eyes. He had a title. He had status. Reputation. He had security and finances and accomplishments and a family reputation. But he placed knowing Jesus and appropriating this Zoe life above all these other things. Scholars estimate that he was around 30 years old when Saul became Paul, encountering the Lord for the very first time. 
Now we remember, if you recall, Paul had experienced a version of life that was man-made and it was very successful according to the world's standards. Yet in that moment of conversion, in an instant, there was a radical shift. Zoe life was birthed in him, we could say. He embraced a new identity in Christ and aimed to fully accept this life availed to him by Jesus. And it is his testimony, Paul's testimony, we know he wrote much of the New Testament, started churches all over. It's his testimony that there is nothing more life-giving than intimately knowing Jesus. And so we'll bring this semester to a close the same way that we started it. For those of you that were here that night, you remember Pastor Becca did this introductory lesson and she shared with us out of Philippians chapter 3. Much of this is going to be on the screen behind me. I just would love you to follow along, but also where you see underlines, I'm going to ask you to read it with me. There are two portions that I would love you to join with me. Here's what Paul says. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I've lost everything. Remember, he lost his title. He lost his reputation. He lost all the kind things that people may have said about him and considered all to be mere rubbish, refuse and dregs in order that I may win and gain Christ the Anointed One. Verse 9, and that I may actually be found and known as in him, not having any self-achieved righteousness that can be called my own based on my obedience to the law's demands, but possessing that genuine righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, the truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. Verse 10, read with me. For my determined purpose, is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Verse 12, Paul says, Not that I have now attained this ideal, or have already been made perfect, but, read with me, I press on to lay hold of and grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus, the Messiah, has laid hold of me and made me his own. Verse 13 says, I do not consider, brethren, that I've captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. Let's be people 
who have Paul's determination. Amen? Let's not allow one bit of what Jesus accomplished to be for naught. He paid what? The very highest price. He shed his precious blood. He first laid down his shuka life, which led to laying down his bios life so that we could know the fullness and vitality, the complete blessings of his Zoe life. Friends, I urge you to keep planting his words of Zoe life in your hearts and continue to make knowing him your determined purpose. We know Jesus today better than we did eight weeks ago, ten weeks ago, don't we? We know him as love. We know him as our good shepherd. He's our helper. <laughs> He's our redeemer. We know him as our protector. Our Lord. He is the word. He is our selfless servant. We know him as our life. He is life. And all of this that we've covered this semester is truly just a scratching of the surface. Just a little tip of the iceberg, if you will. There is so much more. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these women. Father, I thank you for each of their journeys. Each one so unique, Lord. I thank you for what you've taught this semester. I thank you for what you've revealed this semester. And as I just said, though, it's as if we're just getting started. <laughs> Lord, I pray for continued revelation. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal your love. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal this Zoe life in a personal way for each one here. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave up your Shuka life so that you could give up your bios life and provide each of these precious women with Zoe life. Have your way, Father. We love you, God. We're grateful today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Bless you.